Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Good. When are we going to get our tattoos? We talked about Right this. now. No. Um, we should get them. Well, I guess we need to design them first. We need to design them and we need to plan a date. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you're the deer, you're going to have a deer, and I'm the dove, so I'm yeah, going to have a dove. I know, man. I yeah, know. bud. Okay, okay. We just got to do it. Yeah. I've noticed lately because in uh, Adventure Zone Dracula, I my character has like an Appalachian accent that I've been slipping into him more, and we have noticed our kids find it in that diphthong A. I don't know <laughs> daddy. why. Daddy. But like, <laughs> both our kids are sort of saying, hey, daddy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Where the? Okay. All right. Well, both of us had our accents removed from us at school. Surgically, yes. <laughs> at school. No, I, I think I had I stopped doing it, at least cut back on it before then. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I probably still had it noticeably, but like there are videos of me at like five years old, like, hey, brother, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and by the time I was in like theater and stuff, and by the time I was in high school, I didn't sound like that. So I think I worked on it and was like doing a bunch of like acting classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever making the decision to be like, I'm not going to have an accent anymore. But I remember like growing out of it, I guess, more or less. I don't know, man. It may not have been explicitly said at my alma mater, um, but I had the feeling that they were trying to erase us to a blank slate um, pretty much in every way and then build us up again. I remember... In we're not this episode is not about accents at all. We could do one about accents, we but could. anyways, um, my freshman year, I remember auditioning for a guest director who was doing a Neil Simon play Rumors, and I auditioned for it. And she goes, "Are you from West Virginia?" And I was like, "How do you know that?" And she's like, "Oh, I can hear it in your voice." And I remember being not horrified, but like, no, no, no. So you I can't. must have at some <laughs> point prior to that made the effort to not sound like that anymore, mm. right? But I don't remember, I mean, my memory's not great anyways. Anyways, Were we're, you, did you bring this up because I said to two? No, it's because the way I said, like, you're listening to Schmanners. Oh, I think I okay, hit it a little so bit you were hard. already on that when I yeah. brought in the tattoos. What are we talking about this week? <laughs> we're talking about ceiling wax. Like wax that's on the ceiling? No. <laughs> Zing. No, I know. It's like wax seals, right? On yeah. letters and stuff. A thing that I'm not 100% wasn't made up for like uh, sword and sorcery movies and like stuff to show like kings like very dramatically. I did like, it just seems impractical. It to me. definitely wasn't made up. Okay. No, I But when you, I hear here. the word ceiling wax, I do think of uh, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. What? The song. Okay. Wait. Okay, that it's just a very specific pull. What is there in there's, there? There's the line from the song. Uh, let's see, something about like painted painting wings and ceiling wax and other fancy stuff. Okay, right? just not where my brain goes at no. all. Okay, okay. Anyway, ceiling wax. 
a lot of people have, including myself. Just to make it clear, so I made the drug S-E-A-L-I-N-G. Yes. Sealing wax. Yes. Okay. Wax for sealing, particularly envelopes. Okay. Um, a lot of people have these kind of like fancy do-it-at-home like sealing wax kits. Yeah. I have one. I Can we have start saying wax it? seal kits? Because sealing, it's really throwing me off. Okay. Wax seal kits. Uh-huh. Uh, I have one. I have used it, I think, once because it takes, it actually takes a little bit of practice. Yeah. Uh, because the wax hardens a lot quicker than you think it will yeah. and it can splatter. And uh, I did it once and I was like, mm, I don't want to practice this. So I haven't done it in a while. Can you do the wax, heat the seal, and press it down into it? But how would you not burn the paper? I don't know, man. That It's not for me. That's for science to figure <laughs> out. Non-flammable paper. Why haven't we done it yet? Come on, people. I guess if you had a wax, war- uh, like a candle warmer thing, mm. you could do that. Sure. But that that seems like a whole setup. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about how, first of all, the history. Um, and then there's some really great uh, schmanners about the color of the wax, really? which I would love to talk about a little later. Um, and, you know, how it could even be a little bit of a secret language. Okay. <laughs> you didn't seem very impressed by that. No, I'm just, I know it's... A, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think I just get angry when I learn about, like, the fan... We were talking with BB about, like, the fan code, you know, where yeah. people would use their uh, folding fans to do stuff, or we talk about like the flower code, or we talk about, and I just am angry when I don't do stuff like that anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry that it, it really galls you. I just wish we were more clever in this day and age. I guess there is some of it, right? Actually, emojis, I yeah. guess, would be the modern day of it because they always have like a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be like our, did we have we done an emojis? No, we could do an emojis schmanners so. for our bonus episode this year. Ooh, I love it. The history of letters. We'll start with A. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wax seals are actually older than paper itself. These are seal rocks? Uh, No. So it was a stamp um, that was invented uh, to sign clay tablets as a form of authentication. Okay. Um, We have examples of this from ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. and these were, you know, they were not just sealing clay tablets. It was really to put any kind of like, without chiseling, stamp of approval on something, right? Sure. And the way that we think of wax seals uh, took off during the Middle Ages. That makes sense. Yep. That's when I picture it. Couple A couple of reasons for this. Um, most people couldn't read, right? Uh-huh. The peasantry could not read some of the gentry could not read but most mostly it was the uh the royalty that could read but you would use the wax uh to sign off of like contracts and agreements and letters and things like that uh as a way of easily recognizable this has been approved by the king or whatever. And so that's like where we think of like signet rings, right? Where Absolutely. it's just like you have a ring, it's not replicated anywhere, boom, you press it in, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and there was such a kind of hierarchy and it was almost like um, it was your identity. Yeah. 
stored in these signet rings. Um, people would often wear them and never take them off because your identity could be stolen if somebody <gasps> took your signet ring. And also they could be, uh, you could bequeath them to your to your progeny. Well, yeah, because when we when I think about signet rings and kings and stuff, right? That is how I think of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, like the War of the Roses, that kind of stuff. The Tudors were the rose, right? The, they were roses. Somebody, mm-hmm. anyways, you would have like a family crest or a family symbol or something that was very specific to that royalty, and then you would pass that ring down, and it was part of the thing. So there's a lot in uh, like court intrigue kind of stories and movies and stuff of like, but there's only two of these rings, the the king and the prince. And so who, oh, it must've been the prince. Oh, Absolutely. Not absolutely. You don't have to go with that. I know that was a wild thing to say. My brain didn't order it correctly. It's just what I think <laughs> it's, about. It's all right. I'm, I'm going with you. Thank you. Um, these were particularly important to the papal regalia. Right, mm, you gotta um, kiss that ring, right? That's the sure, thing. Sure, yes, yes. But the papal uh, signet ring was made to as a stamp of Saint Peter, who was a fisherman before becoming an apostle. So it shows the saint fishing from a boat, and is meant to derive the idea that apostles were fishers of men, and sure. was used by the Pope himself, passed down uh, to seal official Vatican documents until 1842, mm, when he lost it. No. And they're like, where is, <laughs> where did I put, does anybody see my ring? It's, it's got that one gem in it that changes color depending on how I feel. You guys have seen it, right? The dog ate it. Oh, no. Yeah, the papal dog. Um, so these rings. Um, Pope Wolf Wolf. We're not only you. <laughs> He's the dog wolf. He's the dog Pope. Pope He's... of dogs. <laughs> okay. This is my children's story that I'm writing <laughs> about the dog Pope. Uh, these rings. You gotta pick up your dog poop. Dog. Oh gosh, I can't. Well, one day the Pope gets sick and the dog poop has to fill in. That's the hierarchy. That's, that's the hierarchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not a system. You're pope, picturing sir. it though, right? It's kind of cute. His little hat. <laughs> yeah, you love it. Yeah. Anyway, you love anyway, it. Anyway, his little vestments. Not only was this kind of like official. He has a smaller balcony next God, to the big balcony. Give me a break. <laughs> That's not his catchphrase. His catchphrase is throw me a bone. If you'd read my 27,000 page children's book, The History of the Dog Pope, you would have known that. Somebody help me. Okay. Um, it was not only a functional process, but also a ceremonial one, right? Nobles, clergymen, rulers, all of them was not like, it wasn't just authentic mm-hmm. to them. It was kind of like a symbol of the authority. That's the thing too. I feel like it's in like Three Musketeers mm-hmm. or something, but this idea of like, how will I prove to them that you sent this or like I'm acting on your authority and they'll like give them their signet ring, right? It's right. this idea of like, not only is this a signed paper, but I have the king's so much of the authority that they gave me their signet ring is like right. a huge deal. And so these rings not only did that, they also practically allowed you to seal documents, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it made it kind of tamper-proof in a way, right? Yeah. Like you were talking about, you have the the like correspondence or whatever from the king. Not only do I have the it 
from the from his hand, but I also have the ring or whatever that shows it was stamped, so all this kind of stuff. That way, because you could say like, well, can't you just heat up the wax and do it? But then you would lose the imprint. Of mm-hmm. the, that's why just sealing it with just a blob of wax isn't the same as having a very thin, because when you press it in, it makes very thin uh, a layer of wax where it's pressed. Right. And so it would break if you tried to open it, and if you had to remelt it to reseal it, you would lose the imprint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as time went on, the wax seal continued to be used administratively, but also for personal correspondences Ooh, and love letters, uh, because it was it was kind of romantic in a way, right? For your eyes only yeah. deal. Um, it added an air of mystery and anticipation to a message, not to mention it was actually cheaper as postal prices were usually based on the weight of a letter. Um, and folding the paper and sealing it with wax made it so you didn't need to pay for the added weight of an envelope. Oh, okay. Mm. But just because it became more accessible doesn't mean that it made it any less serious from an administrative and legal angle. Um, Here are some examples of where the wax seals were particularly important to the documents. When John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and John Jay sent the Treaty of Paris to Congress, ribbons were threaded through the parchment and wax seals were affixed for security against tampering. Um, And that was the document that formally ended the Revolutionary War. Um, In China, seals weren't just political. They were legendary. (gasps) Um, There are several tales of seals being given to emperors by dragons and phoenixes and bequeathed by deities and things like that, right? Whoa. Pretty cool. I want that. It was a a mandate of heaven that they have the authority to carry this signet ring. I would love to do that now, just buy a signet ring somewhere and then tell our daughters, like, yeah, so a unicorn rode up. It was like, hey, man, this one's for you. Nice. Uh, Henry VIII wanted to annul his marriage to Catherine of Aragon, so he sent a letter to Pope Clement VIII, uh, the seventh, sorry. That Don't get those two confused. They I'm, hate I'm that. I'm so sorry. I know so they look sorry. a lot alike. This letter was stamped with the wax seals of 81 noblemen to show their support for the annulment. I mean, it, it didn't didn't work. Yeah, a, a lot of history probably would have been different. <laughs> During that time, if the Pope had been like, cool, man. Yeah, fine. Nifty. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. I got no skin in the game. Sounds great. The downfall of the wax seal. Was the fax machine. No, (laughs) not quite. It was the pre-gummed envelope. Oh. Yeah, the Industrial Revolution in the mid to late 19th century came out with the pre-gummed envelope that you just had to moisten in order to affix together. Um, So that was pretty tamper-proof at that point. You didn't really need the wax seals. Um, And I bet by that point, literacy rates were on the rise. Definitely, definitely. But we still have them today. Yeah. Um, They are often part of, like, um, packaging or... um, you can get wax seals put on your wedding invitations sure. and things like that. It does still carry a a weight, a vibe. It definitely has like a personal touch, fancy kind of thing. If I get a letter that has a wax seal on it, like that's something, right? They're not doing that for those fake mailers of like, hey, you've been pre-approved for a thing. Yep, yep. Um, and so it it really 
add something to the brand of of whatever it is that you're you're sending someone. Um, and so I think that they're going to stick around. Well, speaking of stick around, stick around, because after this break, we'll be talking about the etiquette and the code and all that stuff. But first, how about a word from another Max Fun show? From the twisted minds that brought you the Adventure Zone, Balance and Amnesty and Graduation and Ether Sea and Steeplechase and Ultra Space and all the other ones, the McElroy brothers and dad are proud to reveal a bold vision for the future of actual play podcasting. It's um It's called the Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Yeah, we're gonna kill Dracula's ass. We're gonna, well, we're gonna attempt. We haven't recorded all of it yet. We will attempt to kill Dracula's ass. The Avengers of versus Dracula. Yes, a season I will be running uh, using the D and D fifth edition uh, rule set. And there's two episodes out for you to listen to right now. We hope you will join us. Same bat time, same bat channel. For and bats. More fun. I see what you did there. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Tell me the secret code. Teresa, tell me the secret code now. Tell me the secret code! Or else. I, I can't think of anything. No, there's a. You said there was a code oh, to the clothes of wax. <laughs> I thought you were asking for like a password, no, or something that I didn't. You know. You said there was a secret code <laughs> of the color of wax. The panic on Did your you face. You see my face? I got so scared. You were so scared, but you said there was a code. I want to know the code. There is. There is. And my I, God. Okay, I'll get to. What it. just happened? I thought that we were doing just, a bit, and you, you completely short circuited. <laughs> I don't normally require a password to come back from the break, I, That's baby. why I was so scared. Okay. Do we want to set up a password for next time? We'll say DuckTales. Okay. okay go on. All right. As far as etiquette goes, there's not a lot these days when it comes to it. Uh, try and make the seal as neat as you can. So no strings of wax all over or splatters or things. Aim to get the seal right at the point of the envelope and of course try and get a little bit on the top and a little bit on the body of the envelope to make sure it seals. Yeah. Uh, do not break anyone's seal unless the letter is directly addressed to you. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? But here comes the language Ooh. of the wax seal. Um, and like you said earlier, flowers and fans, we have other um, episodes about if you're interested manners so here's the thing right the language kind of developed in eras where 
you needed to express yourself without actually expressing yourself. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so two great times um, to point this out are the Regency era and the Victorian era. Um, Both of those track. Those yeah. are the times I was thinking of. Quite, quite repressive. But these are the times when we think of things, you know, to express ourselves other ways. The seal's type, color, and size all denote societal position. Uh, for example, a large wax seal was considered to be very tacky, very showy, yeah. right? So you wanted it small and glossy to show the restraint and the gentility, right? Of your, I bet there was also of your status. There was also probably something of like, if you had a simple seal, it was like I don't need a lot to let you know it's me, right? Like sure. when we talk about like the War of the Roses, right? If you just had like a rose on your ring, and it's like. Well, you know exactly who, like, we don't need to spell it all out for you. You have an mm -hmm. incredible, like, mm -hmm. if you're, like, you know, single name performer, you know, you're staying, you're Madonna, you're Beyonce, right. right? You don't need all that other detail to let you know you you got a single name. That's right. Um, and so it would include maybe a monogram and a crest, but not, like, your family's coat of arms, mm -hmm. right? Too much, too showy. Um, and also... The quality of the wax said a lot about your household. For example, cheap red wax would often turn a sickly purple or ruddy brown because it was melted with additives, right? Sure. Um, also, you wanted to make sure that uh, you trusted your, uh, your purveyor of waxes, right? Because if you were dubious as a salesperson, you could actually roll the lower quality wax in kind of like a different color on mm. the outside. Yeah. Um, and so you wanted to make sure you trusted them, right? Because um, then you burn it and you drop it and you're like, it's clear. Right. Uh, well, it would have been more yellowish, yeah. right? Because we're talking mostly beeswax. Not like paraffin. Right. Okay. At this point, we're talking beeswax, basically. And if you if you got some of that fake stuff, that was none of your beeswax. You oh. don't want that, right? Yes. Uh, you could also get perfumed wax. Ooh. But if you had perfumed wax, you didn't want to perfume the letter as well. Um, and so, you know, you tastefully, yeah. right? Tastefully. You want, a hint, you want it to be sniffed by the lover reading the note, mm -hmm. not by everybody carrying it everywhere. Um, each of the colors signified something different. It was customary for men to use red and women to use a kind of rose-ish color. Mm. So not quite pink, which denoted something else. Um but if you didn't have different colors, red was a good catch-all. Yeah. And blue meant sad, green meant envy, nah, uh, not, yellow was not exactly. hungry. No, 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 no. Uh, if you were in mourning or writing to someone in mourning, the letter would have a black seal. Or if you were a pirate trying to scare somebody, right? <laughs> I guess that's the black spot. Yeah, but that feels right. I Red or so. black for a pie. I guess you could use any color, but if you're trying to scare someone and you go with a like a lovely lilac, oh. that might not be as scary as you think. Oh no, it's the lilac killer. That's not <laughs> as intimidating as it could be. Various shades of blue would express all the gradients of passion. So the stronger the shade, the more passionate. That's interesting because I don't I don't associate blue. As like a passionate color. We've talked about this when we talk about like color-coded genders, yeah. right? Where up until the uh, turn of the 19th century, boys were often dressed in red because it was very uh, 
It was a muted. It was, it was pink because it was a muted. It was a red, red. which was a masculine color, yes. right? And so, passion might have been something that was associated maybe with the, the like the passionate gender, the woman. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just when I think about blue, I think of it as being like a cold, removed color. You know what right. I mean? A distant. I think yeah. red is the passionate color. But, but if red is the default, yeah, and you want to convey something else, you got to choose the opposite. That's right? interesting. Yeah. Um, so, like a navy blue stamp might want to be read in private because it could be a love letter. Mm-hmm. While a light blue is just a like letter, you can read that. That's just like, yeah, <laughs> just you're cool. Like hey, you're cool. I mean, we're just getting to know each other, but you have some points about you that I enjoy. Um, so you could tell everybody I said that. A uh, pink seal was appropriate when the sender was offering congratulations, such as a graduation, a birth, or birthday, or or something like yeah. that. For grand occasions, gold and silver wax could be used, but metallic was often considered to be a a woman's touch at the time. Um, So men typically didn't seal notes with metallics unless they were really trying to show off their wealth, right? So to be reminiscent of like a gold coin or something, right? But I bet even that was like, all right. We get it. Yeah, kind of gaudy. Yeah. Violet seals were appropriate for sympathy. Once again, that's not what I would have guessed. Not what I would have guessed. I would have put blue at sympathy. Mm. But violet at sympathy. Okay. I'm just trying to keep these all in mind. Wedding invitations were sealed in white wax, which is still a thing today. That's right. Talked about today to represent purity and innocence uh, and blah, 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 things blah. like that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, dinner invitations were often sealed with chocolate-colored wax. I was going to say brown. Yeah. yeah. Brown does seem like a hungry color. It right? does. Doesn't it? It does. But, like, you know, a very deep and glossy, oh, right? Sure, like sure, good sure. chocolate. Yeah. Uh, private letters were sealed with dark. Invisible wax. No, no. sorry. <laughs> dark green. And lighter colored green was thought to be more casual, right? The same idea with the blue. It's a casual secret. It's a casual thing. Casual it's a, it's gossip, everybody knows. How's the weather today? Yeah. Be sealed Don't tell with anyone. The light one. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> Shh. Uh, you know, this does make a lot of sense to me, actually, now that I think about it. Because the darker colors would require more dye, yeah. right? Whereas a lighter color could be just a hint of something. So something casual, something light could but have- the dye, like, yeah, denotes yeah. like an investment and a like commitment to it of like, I wouldn't use this on just everything because there's a lot more dye in this. It's more expensive. It's rarer. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's also surprising, but when you said like green for like secrets or like something, uh, not necessarily secret, but private mm-hmm. between people, I'm like something about dark green. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's like I picture like a dark green cloak. Oh, of sure. like, it's going to blend in the forest and in the shadows and it's more versatile for sneaking. <laughs> Uh, Whereas if I saw somebody in like a black cloak, I'm like, well, that's the Grim Reaper. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. If I saw someone walking around my medieval town in a black cloak, that's a scary person. I guess so. But I see him walking around in a dark green cloak. That's a strider kind of person. That person's like- Mysterious. They know something. Right. Yeah. Um, People who were engaged were allowed to use ruby seals to denote their love. Ooh la la. Right. Um, But generally- Just dating? Turquoise. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, uh, in the Regency era specifically, soft pastel shades were used to convey tenderness and affection. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's the language, I think. The language of love. The language of letters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
sealed letters. And I have to say, no matter what color it was, if I got a sealed letter in the mail, I would be like, this is important. Yeah, you're over the moon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm over the moon that you all listen to this show and it's important that you're here. So thank you very hey, much. Thank you. This to, gets our seal of approval. There it is. Um, that was a high fiving. Um, <laughs> a big thank you to our editor Rachel, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you to our researcher Alex, without whom we could not make this show. And thank you to you for listening. I refuse to make this show without you. <laughs> no matter who tries to make me. Such passion. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, next weekend. I will be at Sketchfest uh, on February 4th at 7 p.m. I will be doing a live actual play RPG show. Uh, it's called The Traventure Zone, and it features me DMing. Uh, and then our guests are Danny Fernandez, Erica Ishii, Aaron Keefe, Eugene Cordero, Connor Ratliff, and Griffin Newman. It's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, come see the show. Have a great time. Um you can get tickets for that at sfsketchfest.com. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you go to macromerch.com. Check out the merch uh, for this month. Starting on February 1st, we'll have all new merch, uh, which you're going to love. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brent Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, we are continually taking your topic suggestions, your questions, your, I mean, your hello, how are you? So you can send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex, A-L-E-X-X, because she reads every single one. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manner Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.